It's Thursday, December 5th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 533 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 56 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. And I'm Dale. We almost had to end the show permanently because I actually moved a toolbar in audacity and could not figure out how to put it back yeah and I, that we were that was gonna be it that's it you don't yeah. know where the buttons are anymore 532 or 533 or whatever we previously released i don't even know the mm-hmm. current show number at that last episode that's it and just so, like dragon's landing in we'd never tell you that's correct yeah we never tell you <laughs> it was a good run we just leave our fans out there making 532.1 and 532.2. And, <laughs> and I just or, got here. <laughs> well, you can be one of those fans, you know? You, you, can, you can give it a certain degree of... Vermicitude. Yeah, of authenticity. Because yeah, you know, I think their point ones had somebody that had been on the show. Yeah, so uh, no announcements today. We actually have some things we want to talk about, but there's, we're just waiting on some final details. So bear with us, but as of right now, nothing to talk about. So we're going to dive right in, and today we're going to judge Chad. Excellent, Wayne. Who is it that requested this topic? It was Jesse Serkey. Okay, and I'm probably mispronouncing that last name because I have no idea how to pronounce it. All right, so Jesse Serkey raised a point slash question that I think is an interesting episode idea. That I wanted to do last show, but Wayne decided to wuss out because mm-hmm. <laughs> he had some plague household thing going on. It was bad. And the topic mm-hmm. actually was brought up by the Skies of Glass game. And the question is, so actually it was also from a throwaway comment in a prior episode, at which I can't even link you because I don't remember what episode. It was this total throwaway comment about how do you game master for a bully mm-hmm. of a character? Not player. Now, we're going to put two parameters on this. So two boundaries. This well, isn't an intervention, is it? No, 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 no. Okay. No. okay. So, well, and that leads <laughs> well. to... It was episode 530 at 38 minutes. Oh. How to GM for a player that's playing a bully without resulting in a player kill. Right, right. So we're going to put two boundaries on this. Boundary one, you are not going to kill the character. Now, the character may die as a consequence of their actions. We're but you're talk- not going to rocks fall. Right, right. Sort of, and, and we'll yeah. talk about the possibility of consequences. But you are not, by GM Fiat, going to execute Your character has a heart character. Uh, can yeah. I roll for that, You're, maybe? No. Your character's annoying, so the dragon is going to target you in every round of combat, inexplicably, mm. until the end of the and combat. And we're playing Skies of Glass. There's no dragons. Now, I would say it is within the realm of agreeable if... The character mouths off to the dragon that the dragon... Well, that's, well, that's consequence. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's consequence. Absolutely. That's yeah. not GM fiat. That's not yeah. I'm going to seek and destroy you. The, the GM can actually even look at the player and say, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. So we'll come back to that because consequence <laughs> is different than execution. So the second parameter we're going to put on this is we are presupposing the problem is that you have a bully character, mm. not a bully player right if the player is intimidating or bullying people at your table the answer is simple 
if kick the, them out. Kick yes. them out. Maybe have one talk with them. After that, they're gone. If you're having trouble getting rid of them, this is a police issue, <laughs> not a fear of the boot issue. Okay? Right. So we are talking about someone who is otherwise a completely reasonable individual who just so happens to be playing a character. And the personality of that character is that they are pushy, they are abrasive, yeah. they're, they're, they're a bully. And the game master has decided that they're going to handle that in-game. They're not going to make the fiat metagame choice. Now I'm really disappointed. To say, I'm mm-hmm. just going to sniper shot this character through I, the head. I'm very sad. I thought this was going to be a, a chat episode. I thought this was how to play an asshole. No, this is how to game master a game that has a character who is an in it. Yes, and to save both <sighs> I just, show, I'm sorry, I said in a previous episode this would be the greatest episode ever. It is not. It will be. So. Yeah. Alright, but Very I do have sad. another request. This is not a parameter strip request. Mm. To save both Aisha having to bleep every 30 seconds and me from having to review to make sure we didn't miss any, we're going to use the word bully, not a-hole. Oh, okay. Because otherwise... Can we say a-hole? Yeah, you can say a-hole. Okay, I can, just, I can do a-hole. Okay. Because otherwise, this is just going to be one long sine wave tone that's not going to be a lot of fun to listen to. Like when Brodo's on. Like, it, Well, no, Brodo usually just put loose on a negative episode. And that goes but on that. those, he gives really cogent, serious conversations. <laughs> Some of them. Some of them. All right. So let me say that the first thing that I am going to suggest is because of the fact that some people are better than others at drawing a boundary between the character and the player or the game and reality or the social experience of the game and the social experience of the table, one of the things you need to look at is, is this having a real-world impact upon players? Not characters, but player-to-player. Is Chad's character... Why has it got to be my character? Because this could be any character now. Yes, Fabulous but you question. have a, you have a track record of them. I know, right? That's but, the, well, that wasn't there. Well, and that's one of the things I was going to mention is what if the player has a track record of these? Chad has yeah. played multiple characters that have that, but he is not in any way that type of a person. And he's played multiple characters that are not anywhere mm-hmm. like that as well. No, and I'll agree with that. I have never, in any of the games that I've played with Chad, Certainly none in recent memory. Have I ever felt bullied by Chad as a player or Chad as a game master? I I have never had to ask the question, is that the character or is that the player? Yes. When it comes to Chad playing these characters, I I know it's the character. I completely agree. That's never been an issue. But I think one of the struggles is there are some people that are better than others at dealing with that. And I'm going to admit, while I don't think I'm the worst offender here... Mm. I am kind of on that side where my line between the game and my personal real socialization, I wouldn't say it's super, super thin. Rest his soul, Pat had no line. Mm. But I would say mine is on the thinner side of the bell curve. Mm. So let's take someone like Pat as an example. And this isn't just theorizing because we saw this happen. Yeah. Where mm. there was bullying. I remember there's an Epoch of Rysos game where, Chad, you were playing a scientist Mm -hmm. or an engineer. I don't remember what he was exactly, but he was... And you were kind of railroading Pat's character, not as a game master, because you weren't game mastering, but you were sort of hemming him in 
character to character. And he really wasn't sure how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And that got him as a player. His character was in command. This was not a military ship. I was absolutely a civilian. Yeah, it was was, was a civilian merchant salvage organization. I was the engineer, literal works on the engines. And he gave me an order and I said no. And then, okay, let me, let me clarify again. My character said no to his character's order. And then when his character started yelling at my character, my character turned off the comm. Because and I was in the engine room, he was on the and locked the engine room door him out of the room. Yeah, locked him out of the room until he calmed down. Because you had the technical know how to do it, he did not. Yeah. All right. Our and- characters got into a pissy fight. Chad, in that game, I don't believe for one second it was your intention to bully Pat. Absolutely not. I did not. In fact, the character I was playing wasn't a bully, and right. I, I as a person, wasn't playing a bullying him. I don't even remember what the character again the characters argument was about well and we can take certainly a more recent example of like gill in the skies of glass game mm-hmm. gill is a bully both to non-player characters in particular right but also to an extent to the player characters gill as written yes is a, a bully right and an a-hole okay and so how do you deal with that when this is bleeding out of the table like in the Epoch of Rysos. Like in the Epoch of Rysos game. Did you even realize that it had reached that point? Because Pat in that game got up and went upstairs. So He left the room. I knew he was upset, but I did not realize how upset until he went upstairs. So here's how the timeline went. Role-playing situation happens. Everything's great. My character and his character got into an argument, disagreement, role-play. My character did, I think basically hung up the phone on him. And locked the door and was pissed off, which is not the right move in a social situation, but role-playing it out. And his character was wrong in that his character was yelling at my character, which is great. That's great. That That's awesome. That's tension and role-play, and then we role-play and work that out. When my character did that, that's when Pat, uh, I was about to say cross the line, but I meant in Dan's metaphor of that, that sort of character to player line that's when he shifted over to where his character was mad now that my character did that pat the person was mad and then he got up and went upstairs and was angry and you could see it i don't know if you could from where you were sitting you could see it on his face as it started to develop and then he started getting more quiet Mm -hmm. and you know you could see the signs that this has crossed out of all the what you're talking about there actually sounds to me a bit more like Someone who has to deal with this kind of grief at work, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm coming in for a role playing game, and now I've got to deal with this here. It's right. just, it's just something that it just, you just. Well, and it's also something that comes from a gaming environment of, he came up on a, you don't have inner party conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are a adventuring group that's going out on adventure together, and you're a team. His right. role playing tradition was very much old school D anD D, where everybody is a good guy mm-hmm. and everybody is on the same page, and it's old school D anD D. If you want to defeat the monster, everybody has to go along together with the plan. Right, and we were not like that. I, I don't want to say that. We came from a tradition of interparty conflict, but we came from a more RP-centric tradition where there is tension and conflict that is role-played out and dealt with and moved on. That's part of the story. 
And with Pat, he, he just came from a different tradition where you didn't do that. Sure. You know? And over time, I mean, we gamed with Pat for years. Right. And over time, we changed a little bit to his way, and he changed a little bit to our way. Mm. And that coming together made a new tradition for yeah. us. And, so. and I think communication is the first step yeah. there. I mean, if nothing else, get the quote-unquote offender and the quote-unquote mm. offended sitting down together with a neutral party, if that's what it takes to help them communicate, to understand what each other is doing, to get one of them to say, look, I don't mean this, this is just the character I'm playing, and here's the type of character I'm playing, and why I'm choosing to play this way, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth, and give the other person space to say, well, this is how it makes me feel, and this is why it bothers me. Yeah. And maybe it's a legitimate reason, maybe they deal with that kind of pressure at work as you suggested mm -hmm. maybe it's something in their background that makes them uniquely sensitive to that or maybe they really are just someone who doesn't get that style of role playing and upon a little bit of explanation and self-examination slows down and says oh okay yeah. I, I maybe i can back off this a bit with pat in that situation not to do an arbitration of a game that happened years ago involving a man who is now dead, just to kind of give it some color. Ultimately, what the issue was, was not that there was an argument in role-playing. The issue was that with Pat, and this is not a fault thing, with Pat, his style is there's a thin line between his character and him. He tended to play a lot of similar characters, and a lot of the characters were a fantasy version of himself, yeah. which is great. Welcome to roleplay. That's awesome. Yep. My characters are on the other side of the spectrum. I like to think that I play people who are not me, and I like to experiment with that, and I like to push really far away from me. Gil is an a-hole and a former alcoholic and somebody who had an abused childhood. I want to explore that. That's not me. Because you're a nice guy, but a current alcoholic. Current alcoholic yes. that I'm abusing myself. No, right. He doesn't go to meetings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kidding me? But so, so we have these two opposite ends here. For me, it's like there is conflict, which makes story and role playing. That's why we're here. For Pat in that situation, when his character is having fun and com camaraderie, he is having fun and camaraderie. When they're challenged... He, in a good way, he is challenged in a good way. When we're angry together, we're angry to He is angry together with the other players. He saw that my character disrespected his character. Yes. My character stepped over a line. And because there was that thin veil for him, maybe I disrespected him. Yes. And that is what made him angry right. and, and and i was going to point that that was yeah. a big part of it was the you know he felt like his character had been dismissed and all that right but the reason i asked specifically of you know did you realize it while it was happening goes to my first piece of advice in this case you weren't playing that type of a character it just that situation happened right, right. but if you are playing a character you know is say a gill right watch the table there is no... Look for those, because I saw the signs on Pat's right. face. I generally, I'm the type of person, I'm watching the other players' faces, even when I'm a player, to see how are they reacting to things so, being said. Well, so well, If you know you're pressing buttons, watch for the people you're pressing those buttons on. Well, think mm -hmm. of it this way, too. 
I would never play a character like Gil. Now, if you don't listen to Skies of Glass, give it a try. I think it's really good. Gil is not a nice person. And I can get into a whole big thing about Gil, but just for this story, Gil is not a nice person. He had a troubled background, and he does not own his and he lets that hurt other people around him because he's trying to hurt himself. He's complexed, but he's an a-hole. I would not play that character in a game with Pat. I couldn't. I know because of things like what had happened, I know that I couldn't because I can't be an a-hole to Pat's characters without yeah. being an a-hole to him. Now, in the Skies of Glass game, I don't know if you've, you've noticed. Dale, I know you don't listen, but obviously these two are there in the room. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Gil is not an a-hole to Brandon's character. Yeah. yeah. He does not bully him. I have noticed that. There are in-character reasons that I have developed in flight, but the actual reason Gil does not bully Brandon's character is because Brandon was new to the group. I don't know him. I don't know anything about him when we started. And so I knew going into the game I was playing a bully. And so I made a choice not to bully Brandon's character. But I knew everybody else. Right. And let me take this in a different direction by saying, well, I think communication is a good place to start. Ultimately, the success and failure of a role-playing game is not determined by anyone sticking to their guns on Mm -hmm. any point of minutia. Right. It's done through a collaborative and a cooperative exercise in expression and entertainment, and you do not achieve that by offending someone or by sticking to your guns because of the fact that you feel righteously indignant. Yes, I think there can come a point where someone or a group at large is so sensitive that it is edged expression out of the room. That's a completely different topic and a much more sensitive one than I want to tackle in this episode. So for now, I'm going to stray on the side of saying you have an otherwise reasonable group that maybe has some hot button issues or maybe doesn't, but you're just playing a really difficult character. Yeah, I think the big thing with if you know you're playing a difficult character and if you're or if you're a player that's in a game where, you know, one player's playing a difficult character or if you're the GM, keep the eye out for around the table, see how people are reacting. But if you're playing and let's say I'm playing in the Skies of Glass game with Chad, because I am. Mm-hmm. Let's say I realize Chad is going to play this bully jerk character. Mm-hmm. I need to watch myself. And if I ever have that moment of, in my head, I start to realize I'm getting angry, I need to look out for that. Because it's perfectly okay for my character to get angry. Yeah. If I get angry, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. That hasn't yeah. happened with this character. Exactly. But I can mm-hmm. easily see how that could happen with that type of character right and you need to be able to make that distinction is this something where it's character to character and i need to keep it there or is this something where it is reasonably offensive to me and at this point now i need to step up and communicate to chad or the game master some neutral third party this has gone too far or this somehow is eroding my enjoyment of this Mm -hmm. game because i've said it before and i'll say it again one of the worst things I hate to hear at a role-playing game is, well, that's what my character would do. Yeah, as as if you that. are a prisoner yes. to your character, or a GM is a prisoner to their plot. Well, I don't hate hearing that. I hate the intention behind it. Everyone plays their characters as what their character would do. I mean, that's role-playing. We all do it. Yeah. You see, when it is used, though, when it is said, when I look at my game masters and I say, well... 
Dale. That's what my character would do. Yeah. That right. is using that as a cudgel. Yeah, that's yeah. an excuse for just for right. intentionally having bad behavior. Yeah, that is shooting a torpedo at the game and trying to shield yourself. You know, I, I think you actually raise a valid point in that the attitude of that's what would Mike right. character would do isn't the problem. The issue is 9 out of 10 times, if not 99 out of 100, when it comes out of somebody's mouth. Yeah. That's not what they mean. Think of right. the best character you've ever played that is the most loved character from all of your groups. That everybody at the table loved the character, loved you playing it, there are stories told about it. Now, with that character in mind, I want you to close your eyes. This is an exercise for everyone who isn't driving. Think about that character <laughs> real hard and then say to yourself, that's what my character would do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's great. It's true. It's, true. Yeah, it's, it's true. great. That's called role-playing. That's the game. That's our hobby. Stopping yeah. the orphanage yes. from burning down may be what your character would right. do. It's, it's yeah. not a bad yeah. phrase, but yeah. usually when somebody has to invoke it, mm-hmm. it, it is exactly what Dale yeah. said. It's a yeah. cover for bad behavior. Or I have also seen it where somebody has done something in character that is acceptable, yet not acceptable to someone else. And they say, oh, I guess that's what your character would do. And it's like, yeah, they would. <laughs> As in, they are trying to reverse the cudgel. They are yeah. trying to reverse use yeah. the cudgel. I really hate that that's what my character would do has become this negative thing in role play. Yeah. It, it should be a positive thing. It's something that we all do. It is the entirety no, of the No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, you're 100% right. There's nothing wrong with the phrase. Mm. It's how it's been co-opted. Yes. And what Some phrases can't be taken back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what it has come to mean that you just, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I won't say it can't be reclaimed, but the way yeah, it tends to be used now. Right. So let's talk about consequences, because even if you have a situation where the out of character, the metagame, the player to player, the table side stuff is all totally fine. That doesn't mean that a character's behavior doesn't have consequences. Mm -hmm. If you're playing in a game and you're the nicest character in the world, you're lawful good and tulips and all, (laughs) and you go and try to stick a tulip of the nostril of the big bad red dragon and it kills you, that's a consequence of the actions of your character. Unfortunately, what usually happens is you go to put the tulip in, then you make your role to disappear, and the rest of the party gets killed by the dragon, and they pay your consequence. Because I've seen that happen more than the actual character get the consequence. The fact that came so quickly in your mind says that uh, there's definitely some stories there that we may need to have a Wayne intervention. (laughs) (laughs) My point being, though, that I think you can have positive examples of consequences to your character's behavior game masters don't be shy about letting there be negative consequences because sometimes there can be a subconscious sort of bullying that nobody intended to make occur but a character is behaving a certain way and the game master doesn't want to kill the character because they're afraid of how the player is going to react or they're afraid of disrupting party balance or i don't know what the issue is And so the character comes in and acts like an absolute bully, an absolute a-hole to every other character in the game, player character, non-player character alike, and somehow that doesn't result in any problems. Now, I'm not talking about the sniper to take the character out by GM Fiat. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking the finger of God. I am talking the rational consequences 
of what happens when you try to bully a trio of cops. Okay, right, right. There, there is something you expect to occur here, and it's really conspicuously missing when it doesn't yeah. happen. Cop pulls you over, you jump out of the car, and you're like, "Yo, MFR, I got a gun too." Yeah. You're going to pull me... Yeah, well, guess what? You're going to get fill pole holes. Yeah, yeah precisely. So it wasn't dealing with a bully character, but something just recently that I thought dealt this really well was Laura's game, mm-hmm. the Halloween one. Your character and Dawn's character were not pleasant to the the shop owners. Yeah. They were bickering with each other. They were bickering with the shop owner. My character is pleasant to the shop owner. So I'm getting good deals, and they're not... The shop owner, obviously... Isn't wanting to sell to Chad's character. Yeah. Well, and it could be something very minor. And you could even spell this out as a gay master. You can say, okay, Wayne's character is being offered 10 gold for this item. But, Chad, you notice as soon as Fantasy Gill walks up to the counter, <laughs> that Fantasy Gill is being told the same item costs 15 gold. Awesome. And, and, or that the item's not in stock. Yeah. Or, yeah. or the get item. the hell out of my store. Yeah. yeah. I don't want you here. It's I mean, great. Whatever the case is. Now, in a game like Skies of Glass, it's probably not going to be shop prices. Right. You mouth off to the wrong person, they will kill you without a second thought. And there's not some level 1 to level 20 span mm-hmm. that's going to protect a character from that. I mean, it's just, boom, there's the consequences. Well, I don't consider this a problem myself. Well, uh, I, I think that's an important point yeah. that we need to hold on for a second is... Players, if you are playing that yep. character, accept the consequences. Yeah. If you think your yeah. behavior is totally valid and deserves no consequences, spoilers, you're a sociopath. Yeah. Get yes. help. I mean, if you walk into the game world and act like a total a-hole, and that costs you the price of an a-hole, accept that as the consequence of playing what you chose to play. Well, and I'll expand that to the other players. If you're being penalized because... The relationship with NPCs is really bad because a character is yelling at them. Call the character on it. Let that be handled in in character. character. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is absolutely about accepting the consequence. When you play an a-hole character, when you play a jerk, you should be going for a certain kind of experience. One is an internal experience of you are trying to explore this space. You're trying to put yourself in this headspace of what is this person like and can I play them honestly and can I play them in a way that does not stop the game and doesn't ruin the momentum of the game and does so that in a way that doesn't ruin the fun for everyone else. And there's also the external you have as well. The external is when the orphan loving puppy dog saving lawful good paladin walks into the town and he's a folk hero he gets handed hand jobs. <laughs> you are the sneaky thief who just steals hand them. <laughs> just handed. He's, okay. he's got a coupon. It's it's okay. Bogo Wednesdays. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you play the sneaky thief who everyone hates, and you're a liar, and you're a miscreant, and you're wanted across five counties, and your wanted poster for burning down orphanages is in the town you see on the way in. As a player, when they start throwing rotten potatoes at you, and you look at the game master, you're like, well, wait a minute. The paladin got free hand jobs. Why am I getting rotten potatoes? You're doing it wrong. Part of the experience of playing someone who is maybe evil or maybe not evil and is a jerk, a liar, 
or what any negative aspect of a character that you're playing, part of playing that is seeing how the world reflects that back at you. I mean, I'm not big into it. I don't believe in karma or anything like that. But when you're a jerk to someone, most people are going to be a jerk back to you or blow you off. But the real cool thing about it is when you're a jerk to someone and they're not a jerk back to you, that's really interesting to role play that out. Because suddenly there's a question there. Why are they not blowing me off? But the kind of tangent's off there. But I mean, mean, the the whole point of it is that you're playing the a-hole to have that effect on the world, you must accept the effects of that. GMing for something like that, it is really difficult to balance the, you want that player to get those consequences because you're hopefully that's what they're looking for. But you don't want the entire party to be suffering the whole time for it. You're hoping the party will step up and confront the character. But a lot of players are so anti-confrontational that they won't even do it in character. Well, and Wayne, I'll tell you right there, there is a GMing conscious choice. And I'm going to stress that at least I believe there is a difference between seeking someone out for fiat kill versus more specifically and more narrowly targeting the consequences. Let me give you an example from real world. A group of people walk into a restaurant, and one person at the table is a total jerk. Now, depending on the waiter or waitress, that may mean everyone's food gets spit in. Or, if everyone there is really cool and the one person's a jerk, I mean, look, people are people. They're going to have different reactions. Some people are going to make the distinction, it's not all these people. It's that one person. But those people choose to be friends with that one person. This is an NPC by NPC thing. I mean, I'm not going to tell you there is one size fits all. But what I'm saying is the game master does not stand to win anything by dying on this hill. Just like the player playing the bully should not have their heels dug in so deep that it's like, well, I have to do this because what my character do and everyone else's fun and peace of mind be damned. The game master does not have to do the same thing. This is what my world would do is just as weak Mm. as this is what my character would do. And just as strong. And just Mm -hmm. as strong if used correctly, but just as weak if misused or if it's a a shield for negative behavior. But if I know, for example, that let's take the current Skies of Glass game. I believe that if you guys walked into a situation and Gil's a jerk, Mm -hmm. or let's take a different character. It doesn't have to be Gil being a jerk. Junior being a liar. Right. That has some consequences for the entire group. It has. But as a GM, I mean, I'm not going to claim I'm perfect, but I'd say I'm fairly good at keeping a hand on the volume knob where, okay, he caused problems for you, and I'm going to turn that up to a three or four because I want to hear you guys chew him out, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to turn it up to an 11 and party wipe because that really isn't fair to the people that weren't involved, and quite frankly... You guys chewing them out is a lot more entertaining than you guys all being lined up against a wall and shot in the back of the head, Valentine Massacre style. Well, and that's a group that that will happen. We will have those conversations. Mm -hmm. My character has talked to Mm -hmm. him about pissing off all of the the NPCs. Junior has been talked to about the lying. But some groups I don't think that would happen in. Yeah. Some groups just will avoid that confrontation with the other players. And I think that may be part of it. That thin line... Because that line is so thin, some people don't want to confront 
another so, player, yeah. even in character. Uh, solution I've uh, tried once, and it worked. I, I can't say it'll work every time, but uh, worth a try, at least for some people. Have the character spend a night in jail. Mm-hmm. Hey, just have yeah. them you know, the cooler, like, you know. That, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, the, they uh, you know, you just show the player that that type of behavior is going to have negative consequences. Yeah. This time, yeah, it was night in jail. It's almost like a real society where we have police almost. and a jail. <laughs> well, and, and there are let's stress here lines and strata yeah. between a consequence and the consequence. Yeah, you can have somebody sit out of role-playing for 15 minutes because they're spending a night in jail or have to give up 100 of their gold in a fine. And that is very different than having them lined up against the wall and shot in the back of the head. Exactly. So, So I see it. There's like three angles here. Angle one is the other players. The other players take precedence. So let's, let's go back to our skies of glass example here. I play Gil as written as an a-hole and there's like lots of reasons and background and all that sort of stuff and i'm not sure i pitched the character as an a-hole but in the description before we started it was pretty apparent and if the players are not having fun with it like maybe i pitched it really well and they thought it would be cool and then as we game they're like man you're really drawing a lot of heat on us this is not fun it is a little bit up to the players to let the game master and a hole runner know that at least if both of those people, the game master and the a hole runner, don't see it. We should see it, but no one's perfect. And I get that there's a lot of people who aren't confrontational. I think that not even making an argument about it is just like, man, a little too tense with those guards back there. I wonder who got them all angry, Gil. <laughs> Man, that was that kind of sucked, Gil. You know, maybe throw some shade out of character, but it it has to be dealt with in some way. The second one is the game master. So consequences are fallen like hellfire because of the one character. The game master should step up to the plate and say, "Hey, you're at a, like an eleven. The other guys and me need you at like a seven on the thing." <laughs> and I think that's fair. And that is one of those consequences that the a-hole player needs to understand. Maybe they're not seeing it and they need to take not even criticism, just like, hey, just tone it back a bit. It is also up to the game master of what the game master wants to see. Is the game master like a person of my opinion where this kind of tension and conflict creates role play opportunities? So you turn up the knob and turn it down to create those opportunities. You widen the expanse of the consequences so that encompasses everybody to see the whole RP stuff. People are getting a little tense and you scale it back down and focus it more on the person who's being the a-hole or even remove it altogether. And that, that's one of the many juggling acts that game masters have to do. I think but, after a particular session that's been really bad with it, if nobody's called you on it and you're playing that character, bring up the topic. Yes. Make sure that yeah. everyone else knows that you are okay and you want to be in character, called on that behavior. Well, and so that that brings me to the third pillar of RP bullying. <laughs> the third point. What a weird religion we've created. <laughs> right. <laughs> the third point, I, I didn't even think of that, Wayne, and yeah. that's great. I, I think that after a few sessions, it is as a person who is potentially causing issues, take the temperature of the room. Maybe you don't see it, and that's okay not to see it. We're not perfect, but take the temperature of the room. It's like, guys, where am I at? I think with the bullying thing, I'm at an eight. Where do you guys think you're at? And they're like, you're at a 20. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, ask those questions. I mean, yeah. right. Because yeah. I think you asking, and not even a neutral third party or the game master, but the player themselves saying, is what I'm doing okay, invites a certain level of friendly critique that may not otherwise feel welcome. Well, Doubly so if you ask it up front. I mean, let me give you an example of a character that I played who wasn't a bully insofar as he wasn't predisposed to bully the NPCs or the PCs, but he certainly was an a-hole in other regards. And that will become fairly apparent in a moment when I explain who this character was. This was in a Deadlands game that was set in Weird West, but this was historical Weird West. This was based on real American history. And this took place somewhere in the South or Southwest shortly after the Civil War. And I originally looked at what the other people were playing as I was new to this game. And I said, well, I think I'm going to play some kind of like a light cavalry scout sort of guy who, you know, was maybe participated in the Civil War and is, you know, now that's over. That's just how he plies his trade is he's a guide or whatever. And the game master came back and said, well, this is all taking place in the South. And I then at that point stopped and asked the table, Mm. how comfortable are you guys with me being how realistic playing a Confederate soldier? Right. Where are your boundaries? What are you okay with? I asked it beforehand. And when things started to get a little edgy, Mm -hmm. I was very conscientious of the table, especially because I was a new player. I was very conscientious of the table, trying to see what their reaction was. You know, ask them once or twice, were you okay with this or that? And no, I'm not, was a perfectly acceptable answer. Right. Something else I would throw out there is, Game Masters, you have a way of handling this, but... I want to stress once again, I don't think the right way to handle this is to either fiat execute the character, that's a different issue, Mm -hmm. or to be passive-aggressive because that's just uncalled for in general. But you can place consequences where they didn't previously exist. Let me give you an example from our current actual play. One of the people that was on the receiving end of Gil's Strong personality <laughs> was Brodor's character of Marlene. Mm-hmm. And Brodor, he's a very, very chill guy, but he flusters easily. And as a result, it is sometimes hard to tell where he's actually at. Now, he'll usually tell you after the fact, yeah. like, that went too far, but you won't hear about it until later. And one of the things that I did to give him a bit of buffer to kind of back that off a bit was there was a, an NPC who was part of the party named Molly, who was a salvager who lived on a moon colony, long star won't bore you with. But she had this big, tough construction robot named Hearts that was with her. And when she left to go pursue a plot point that has yet to be resolved, she left Hearts under the control of Broder's character Marlene. Now, Broder's character is not all-powerful now, Hearts is not pre-programmed to seek and destroy Gil. But if Gil wants to break Marlene's nose (laughs) because they're in a dispute over something petty... Gil would never break Marlene's nose. uh, No, he's broken uh, Fat Tony's nose. Absolutely. Junior's nose. Did not break Junior's nose. He just... 
I think he's hit Junior twice. No, you did break his... Well, the point being, though, the point being, though, yeah. that Brodor's character is Junior not... deserved it. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally... I, I'm not even as a game master. I'm not disagreeing. Marlene's getting picked on. Yes. Because it's fun to pick on Brodor. Junior 100% deserved it. I'm not yes. saying otherwise. <laughs> but my point is, though, that where there would previously have been no consequence, no threat. Mm-hmm. This is someone who is pure victim. I mean, I'm assume most people listening to this have seen Back to the Future. You understand the effect that Marty McFly had on his dad. Mm-hmm. Yes. That old man McFly was one kind of person to pick on in the original timeline and was a very different kind of person to pick on in the new timeline because there was a whole new set of consequences. And I did not give him control of hearts purely and specifically for the purpose of seek and destroy Gil. Mm-hmm. There were many reasons I gave it to Marlene. The first and foremost was the in-character decision that Molly worries about Marlene because she sees too much, especially of her younger self in Marlene, that she sees someone who in many ways is a potential victim and things like that. But... Does it have the added effect of making Gil think twice before Jack and Marlene in the head? No. <laughs> and Not maybe, even a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> but I will at least say there's a new layer of consequence there. Gil and Marlene have already gotten into a fist if, fight. If Gil. Marlene... And well, Marlene she kicked you in the nuts. Yeah. But I'm just saying... And Gil did not retaliate If you guys way. just went <laughs> Russian-style head punch for head punch... Gil would annihilate Annihilator, precisely. Gil would never do that. Hearts in the equation changes that. Yeah. And... It's never come up, right? There's yeah. been no fist fight between mm-hmm. Hearts and Gill. Right. But the point is that... There I, has been between Hearts and Wayne's right. character almost huh. died. I, I think in the first five minutes of her owning Hearts. Because Gill was being an a-hole. Gill was making a point that she walked in. <laughs> but, well, Gil that, was right. That was... Okay. But that also involved NPCs, and that gets yeah. a lot. I, I'd have to tell a really long game yeah. and story yeah. to unpack that scenario. Because that involved NPCs, PCs, PC to NPC, NPC to PC, every way you can draw that, PC to PC, NPC to NPC, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. But the point being that you as a game master can expose the minds. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can lay it out. You don't even have to be so coy about it as to say, oh, Wayne, you want to buy the sword, 10 gold piece. Fantasy Gill wants to buy the sword, 15 gold pieces. You could even say something like, Fantasy Gill sitting in the back mouthing off to Fantasy Marlene or whatever yeah. and say, the guards come and beat Gill up. Well, now, you- Wayne's playing the paladin and he just got done with his BOGO hand jobs for the, the town, comes in and for whatever reason, because he's playing his character, Dan, he starts mouthing off to Fantasy Marlene. The town guards don't touch him. Why? It's folk hero. Yeah. But <laughs> Fantasy Gill... Dude's an a-hole. He's getting his well, a-hole kicked in. But I could also have things like, I could just note, the shopkeep over here is the conversation between mm-hmm. Fantasy Gill and Fantasy Marlene, and you notice his expression darken. Mm-hmm. You notice he puts some of his best stock in a lockbox under the counter. Right. You know, I can have some things in there. It's kind of like taking a brush and exposing the minds mm-hmm. and being like, hey, you understand what you're walking into. I'm right. not going to blow anything up on you yet, but just so you can't pretend you're surprised, you know, you get out and mouth off to the cops. You notice they kind of look at each other and turn off their cameras mm-hmm. and put right. their hands on their nightsticks. If you don't see where this is headed, I can't help you. 
Yeah. You know, but you've been warned at this point, and I think there are some ways a game master can lay a very obvious minefield to send a message, but here's the opposite to this. Game masters, this is not your invitation to either A, be passive-aggressive, mm-hmm. or yep. B, to hem in characters to the point that you are forcing them to fit a behavioral yeah. archetype. Just if you're getting to that point to where... Just every, tell them the story. Just, just tell them, you know, you need to tone it down. Just stop playing an ankle. Yeah. You know, change your Well, yeah, or, or just tell them, you know what, uh, Gil's... This not, isn't working. Gil's not an abused recovering alcoholic anymore. Right. Uh, Gil's now a tiptoe through the tulips. And Gil's like, yeah, free hand jobs. Yeah, and no. Well, and we, I could see... I haven't met a GM like this, but I could see a GM that has serious issues with being bullied actually have a problem confronting yeah. the bully player. Well, if sure. the player... Chad is a big personality. Let's say we have somebody who's never GM'd for him before, which he wouldn't do that type of character mm-hmm. of them. But let's say he did. Right. And they are a more meek person that yeah, if, and suddenly you're getting talked down by the I, the character. I will say straight up, if you are a Chad type player, or I mean quite mm-hmm. frankly, Chad is hardly the only big personality at the table. Mm-hmm. We're picking on Chad, yeah. but he's <laughs> hardly the only big yeah. personality. We're picking on Chad because we can point to a couple characters as an example. Right. He has a couple of character types that are, I think we all have a couple of mm-hmm. character types that are our types. This is one of his types. Yeah, and picking but, on Chad is fun. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you can certainly consider the possibility that it may be the GM who has the difficulty with that. At which point I would suggest to the player, just as you read any other part of the table, read the GM. And if you don't know, ask. And if you can't get a straight answer from asking, don't do it. I mean, it just yeah. it's its not worth the drama. It really just plain isn't. You don't have to play an a-hole. Right. Well, and I, I think that there's a tendency for people to say, well, if, if you're playing a challenging character, if you're playing a character that's a monster, if you're playing a character that's evil, if you're playing a character that lies, if you're playing a character that does anything but goes with the flow and is a functional member of society. Then you're a bad person. Well, then you're a bad person. Or the advice to that is always, well, just don't do it. What's out? No, yeah, no I agree. And, I agree. Know, at some point, we have to decide here. There is of, no story without conflict. Are we playing the old school D&D game where everybody's on the same page? Or are we adults? Yeah. No, I, come, I, I do agree with you. And I'm, I'm happy to be somewhat careful around this subject. Because I think without unpacking certain parts of my life mm-hmm. to establish my own credentials, which I think is kind of, to right. be honest, a sad statement on society, I'm not sure that I feel like I've got the room to say this, but mm-hmm. I'm going to talk around a little bit in saying that, yes, you're absolutely right, that there is no story without conflicts, mm-hmm. and I don't think the right answer to every situation is for one person to wuss out, tuck tail, and run. Right. I would say if you want the easiest answer, if especially in a con setting, what may be the right answer yeah. is just chill it out. Yes. But with your home group and people you know where you're really trying to explore something, there does come a point where, look, in the give and take, there has to be some give yeah. on both I, sides. I think that the majority should have the ultimate say, but I think that the majority needs to maybe consider new things. Yep. Well, here's the thing. Let's look at Gil as a character. But Gil, the Gil, majority should have the right. say. 
Let's look at Gil as a character. Mm -hmm. Gil is an incredibly nuanced character, an incredibly deep character. He has reasons for the things he does. It's pretty obvious what some of those reasons are. Some of them not so obvious. That character, if he were playing it in a group that wasn't challenging him, I don't think you would be getting anything out of the character. No, if I was playing... The only reason that he is a... He's a nuanced character because you made him a nuanced character. The only reason any of that nuance comes out is because the other players at, at the table are okay with that. And they want to look for things in that, challenge it, make comments about it. That's they what makes the character work, yeah. is the other players have bought in on that character. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting the buy-in at the table, then you're not going to get what you want out of the character right. anyway. You are literally just going to be an a-hole. And I think we can do an entire episode on how to play an a-hole. And it wouldn't even be an a-hole. It would be like, how to play an evil character, how to play an a-hole, how to play this... And a lot of it hits on that. If everybody at the group buys into your character, pushes against your character, challenges your character, then those challenging characters are interesting. If everybody at the table is a white knight on the same page, old school role player, which is fine. That's called fun. And you're the a-hole He's character. just He's just the a-hole. Don't talk to him. Yeah, that's exactly what it would turn into. It's you... And then everybody else. And you're either going to be this huge outcast that doesn't fit in with the group, or you're just going to be like the weird guy. And and you're not going to have any fun. Nobody's going to have any fun like that. I will say, though, too, that part of playing the character, playing a a character that that is a jerk or evil or any one of these, because I don't think Gil is necessarily, he's evil in some ways, but I don't think he's like evil, evil. I think that part of playing that, a lot of it has to do with the consequence. A lot of it has to do with the tolerance of the group to accept consequence to fall on them. But I think it's very incumbent upon the player to understand the temperature of the group, to ask that temperature, to not assume they know it, to ask and to try to make sure everyone is having fun. It's up to you to make sure that that you are not stealing spotlight You're not stopping the momentum of the game. It's also up to you to understand that consequence does come from doing bad things. Bad things happen to you because you set that in motion. And when that happens, you need to aggro that consequence out of character. This is not what my character would do. This is what I chat am doing. And I do this in the Skies of Glass game where When Gil starts cranking up being a jerk, he focuses it. I have him focus it on individuals, and then I also try to separate him and the consequences away from the other players. No, I will will absolutely grant that. So that it focuses on him. Yeah, there have been situations where maybe not quite this literally, Mm -hmm. but the general structure has been something to the effect of who threw that, and Gil steps forward and says, I did. I did. Yeah, or he doesn't hide behind... Yes. Wayne's character and make him sponge the damage. Junior did that to you, but that's <laughs> right. <laughs> but Junior's a different kind of bully. Yeah. But... Yeah, exactly. And that is a conscious choice on me. It's not that I'm playing in character yeah. and Gil is a bold character. Actually, Gil isn't a bold character. Gil's a bully. Uh, and bullies are cowards. Yeah. Uh, Gil picks his battles. And by battles, I mean who he is a jerk to. He also picks who he is not a jerk to. Part of that is me, Chad, understanding that there is consequence, yeah. and I don't want to lose Gil, at least not right now. But part of that is that bullies are cowards, and yeah. that's a way to temper consequence. Well, and 
life being what it is, you reap what you sow. Yeah. And it may take a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade, but eventually someone will stand up to the bully. Absolutely. And to quote Mr. Miyagi, no matter how good, always somebody better. Yep. Mm -hmm. As a player, I have been looking at the group and telling them, especially early on, I don't really have to tell them as much anymore. In the early games, I looked at him and tell him, you need to stand up to Gil. Gil's a jerk. Why are you putting up with that crap? You know, that is actually yeah. something, and I'm, I think we can close out on this, that is kind of an interesting thing, is, Chad, one thing i got to give you absolute credit for with Gil is you didn't just allow consequence, and I'm talking within the party here, mm -hmm. intra-party consequence. You did actually go out of your way to invite it insofar as you didn't wait for somebody to complain. You did, on several occasions, say to the other players, player to player, you don't have to put up with his crap. Right. He's going to do this until yeah. somebody stands up to him, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the exact phrasing was. I've heard you say that more than once mm -hmm. of you don't have to put up with his crap. He's a, You own what he is, and you yeah. invited mm -hmm. other people to bring the pain for what he is. That's how him and Marlene got into a fight, like a physical yeah. fight. And my character at the time kept telling her, yeah. you need to punch him. Wayne keyed in on that really early on, and yep. he had his character in character telling the people that Gil was picking on, especially Marlene, to punch He's not going to respect you until you hit him. Just hit him. Just punch him. It's just going to, just once. That's yeah. all you need. It's prison rules because they're former prisoners. They're, former prisoners. Prisoners. they're all just convicts. Yeah. And sure enough, it took a couple of games and they got into an argument and they, they were, well, she was drunk. He doesn't drink because he's an alcoholic. But they got into a fight and she kicked him in the nuts and it changed their entire relationship. And that's a consequence that if you play a bully, you have to understand. You are not mustache twirling evil. You have to play a bully that has weaknesses, that has humanity, that has heart, that gets sad. You're not a bully because you are strong. You are a bully because you are weak. Gil is weak. Yeah. And that is the key to playing a bully. If it's all advantage and all strength and you're just like beating people up, you're not a bully anymore. You're evil. Yeah. You're a bad guy. You, uh, yeah. I, no, I totally agree. Mercy and decency are the positions mm -hmm. of strength. Gil will. Because mercy and decency means you're not afraid of somebody else being strong. A bully has to keep other people down because they're afraid of somebody else being strong. It's a position of weakness and fear. Yeah. You will never have to worry about Gil punching Marlene or have her having hearts defend her from Gil because Gil will die to protect Marlene. Yeah. He will bully her. He will bully everybody in the group, and he will lay down his life to protect his family. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, I don't think anything in the show notes. We definitely have some things we do want to talk about, as I said mm -hmm. at the start of the episode. We just need them to have a little bit longer to bake. we got a board game we want to talk about, and also there is an audio production, not a podcast. Very different kind of audio production coming out, but it's not quite done in the oven yet, so... Mm -hmm. Give us another week or two, and we'll be back with that. What a tease. A bun in the oven needs to gestate? Is that right? right? What's That's going exactly, on? That's exactly what I'm saying. Wayne's pregnant with my baby. so <laughs> And your baby's a bun. It is. You guys Gross. have a great week and great games. I've got to get an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. See ya. 
This has been a production of Hear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.